0: How do you deal with uncertainty in your life? How do you learn to embrace it? It's actually deeply connected to the very first beatitude that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount that we're studying. So we'll get to that in a minute. There's a book by Maggie Jackson called Uncertain, The Wisdom and Wonder of Being Unsure. And she notes how we all crave certainty and especially now uh, presidential elections, so much division, wars going on, stock market, the economy, a divided nation, Um in our own personal lives. What's my health going to be like? How's my family going to turn out this relationship or that job? And and we want to know. We feel like if I just could know then I could breathe, then I could live. But it's not true is part of what she writes about. A wave of scientific discoveries reveals that learning to lean into uncertainty in times of rapid change, and when there are not a time of rapid change, is a promising antidote to mental distress, not a royal road to angst, as many of us assume. And so, scientists are now talking about what they call intolerance of uncertainty and that that actually leads, when I'm unable to tolerate uncertainty, it leads to more anxiety, disengagement, substance abuse, depression, and so on. Life is inherently uncertain. And if you have difficulty dealing with that, you'll have difficulty dealing with life, says Michael Dugas, professor of psychology at the University of Quebec. And in fact, in one study, uh, when subjects were told there was a 50% chance that they might get a painful electric shock, they experience way more worry, fear, and anxiety than people who were told there's a 100% chance. Like, you'd think it's good news, maybe you won't get shot, but it's the uncertainty, even more than the pain, that we often wrestle with. And that's a problem because we live in an uncertain world. At heart, being unsure demands a crucial admission. The world is unpredictable, dynamic, and flawed, and so are we. It's interesting that about 100 years ago, a guy named Heisenberg, a physicist, discovered what's sometimes called the uncertainty principle. At the quantum level, there are aspects of creation, particles where they have pairs of property, and if you can clearly measure one, then you can't clearly know the other one. We all want certainty, but we live in an uncertain world, and the capacity to tolerate and even embrace uncertainty is a good thing. This is actually reflected in some places in the Bible. Jesus' brother James uh says in the fourth chapter of James. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, well, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and this. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. So another word for the capacity to tolerate uncertainty might be humility, a recognition that we are just finite little beings. And James gets this, of course, from his brother, who says in the Sermon on the Mount, why do you worry about what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink, what are we going to wear? Every day is uncertain. Each day has trouble enough of its own. We'll get to that in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, his antidote for this is faith. He actually talks about worrying as being a part of little faith. And if you think about a baby, for example, uh, a baby lives in a very uncertain world. What gives the baby the confidence to live in the midst of uncertainty is actually a deep sense of attachment, the knowledge that there is a mom or a dad, a being of godlike competence who cares about and watches over me. And this is a fundamental need for the human condition. It turns out that in order to face uncertainty in my outer world, I must have a foundation of certainty in my inner world that I can handle it. And Jesus is the master of life and the master of the world. And this is what he says. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, they were tormented by uncertainty. We've seen that uh, they had all kinds of physical disabilities and illnesses and problems. And so that's why they're coming to him. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. And then the Greek text says, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them. Now, that little phrase, opened his mouth, is significant. And it doesn't simply mean that he was not a ventriloquist. When I was a kid, I actually got a ventriloquist dummy and uh, studied how uh, you try to be a ventriloquist. I will not do it right now. But the point here is not that Jesus was not a ventriloquist. This is a way in the ancient world of saying that the statement you're about to hear carries weight. It's reliable. It's deeply true. And that actually echoes one of the Psalms, Psalm 78. The psalmist says, my people, hear me today. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables and utter hidden things. And later on in Matthew chapter 13, this is applied directly to Jesus. So now you can count on this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this would be very surprising because in that day, you know, we get so familiar with the Beatitudes, we think we understand them. Poor of spirit was not a desirable condition to be in. Uh, in Luke 6, it just simply says poor. The poor in spirit almost certainly also would have been materially poor and of low status, the kind of people that didn't know uh, what was what spiritually or otherwise. They were not connected. Nobody's listening to them. So why would Jesus say that they are blessed? Jonathan Pennington, in his book on the Sermon on the Mount, says you can actually use the word flourishing in our day to describe the condition of being blessed. So we might put it like this, that Jesus says, people who are poor in spirit are flourishing. Now, why is that? It's not because they're poor in spirit. Nobody wants to be that. It's because the kingdom of heaven is coming to them. And this was Jesus's central good news, his gospel, that life in the kingdom of heaven is now available to human beings. In fact, this is so key. The Beatitudes are really the proclamation of this in the Sermon on the Mount. If you read through them carefully, we'll go through the Beatitudes. Uh, There's about eight of them. And in verse 10, we get the final one. And it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That little phrase bookends the Beatitudes. And in fact, that's the one promise that is put in the present tense. There is the kingdom of heaven. And then as it goes on, blessed are the mourn. we'll look at, for they will be, those who mourn, they will be comforted. That's put in the future. All the other ones are put in the future because they describe something that will be experienced by people who are living now in the kingdom of heaven. Um, not just after you die, but as you are living on this earth in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus's language for life in the care and presence and power of God. Now you have a little kingdom. That's the realm where your will is in charge. And the invitation is for us to integrate our little fallible, messed up, uncertain human kingdoms into the great, vast, intimate, good kingdom of our heavenly father who is watching over us all the time and actually it's that it's the kingdom of heaven that's god in action god is present right now god is with you today god wants to guide and give you and me power to live today in our uncertain world that's what gives us the stability the certainty. The inner reality that says, I'm not just living in a world of uncertain particles, like Heisenberg said, there is a spiritual reality that is deeper that, to, to that. I am attached to the great God who made all things, and therefore I can live in confidence I can embrace uncertainty, whatever comes, whatever life throws at me. I don't have to pretend to be any more certain than I actually am. I can just, in all moments, so here's the deal today. Today, as you walk through uncertain moments, when you experience uncertainty, don't look for certainty, look for God. Don't look for certainty in the stock market, in your financial condition, in your health, in other people's relationships. Things will go up and down. Don't boast, next year, this year, I will... It's all in God's hands. Look for God. One of the books that I'm going through alongside of the Sermon on the Mount is uh, Brother Lawrence's The Practice of the Presence of God. There's a wonderful new translation of it by a woman named Carmen Butcher. And I'll talk about that some as we're going through this series. But practicing the presence of God is another way of uh, what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom. That's what I'm doing all the time. And you might try this. I had a very good friend who is, she says, at the moment, living in crazy town. People around her are just going crazy. And it's really difficult to do that because you never know what's going to happen next. And she said, here's what I decided to do. Instead of getting all frantic and upset and not knowing what's going to happen next and obsessing over that, anytime something happens where people start getting a little crazy, she said, I know, Nancy and I have been talking to her about some what we're going through this difficult. She said, when that goes on in my life, instead of focusing on that, I'm going to pray for you. Now, that's seeking first the kingdom, bearing somebody else's burdens and that made me think i'm going to pray for her that her life gets crazier and crazier so that she is praying for us more and more so today here's the invitation embrace uncertainty when you are not aware of what's going to happen next when you don't know and are tempted to worry about our nation our world the economy my body my health my kids, my relationship, my lack of relationship, whatever it is, don't look for certainty. Lean into uncertainty. Look for God. Blessed, blessed, blessed are the uncertain because the kingdom of heaven is coming to you today.
1: You've been listening to Become New with John Orpert where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, become new.com, where John has over 710 minute teachings on the person you're becoming cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at become new.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request, there's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.